Welcome to the Relational Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Thompson, joined by my co-host, Austin Hill. And today, uh, we're also joined by Zach Hunt as we are in part two of our interview with him. We hope you enjoy. I'm going to ask you a couple of personal, like more personal questions. Feel free to pass if, if you don't feel comfortable, but yeah. just, I think it might be helpful for, for us and for others um, if you do share, but when, you know, everyone has a different reason for why they do the behaviors they do. You know, when you listen to the experts, you know, they have all these different reasons, but I think people personally have different responses that they would give to this. But when you think of like yourself early on, what, what, um, have you been able to make sense of like why you think you gravitated towards, um, towards those behaviors that, that tended to be what people would call addiction? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely, uh, can say I kind of, I've, I've connected some dots there and, uh, you know, it's for me, I think mine, I've always had a thing like my addiction started before drugs. It was like, it was girls. Um, I've always been fascinated with women and, um, it's, it was a way to get me outside of myself. And, uh, growing up, I was very, uh, I'd say confused. I didn't know for a long time um, if I was uh, gay or straight or bi or what. So it was very confusing for me. Um, And it was a a secret that like I didn't share this probably until about two or three, four years ago. Um, I think it was four years ago in a treatment center with a counselor I shared for the first time. And uh, but then I really started um, opening up more when I was here and talking about it more freely. Um, but like I used women as that was like my out, like that was me proving to myself that I wasn't gay. That was me proving to myself that I wasn't bi. Like the more women I slept with was a way that I could like convince myself that like, I'm not that I am something else. And, and there's a reason why I struggle with sexual identity. Um, you know, there was an incident with, with somebody that, um, what was it say that they, you know, they touched me when I was younger. They did things to me. Uh, I'm not going to say who or anything, but it's just, uh, it, it was a process. It was another male. And, and, you know, uh, you know, this is something that I, I, I took with me to, uh, the grave that I said I was going to take with me to the grave. Um, that really like freed me up, um, and just got a lot of weight off my shoulders when I was finally able to talk about it and share about it and, and just connect those dots as to why I do what I do. Yeah, thanks for your courage in sharing that. I know that that's probably not super easy, especially in a public forum like this. But we we do appreciate it, and um, and it's it's great to hear that you've made a lot of progress in understanding yourself, but also connecting with other people. Um, yeah, it's 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 hard to hear, you know, some of the pain, especially as a young person um, dealing with abuse is uh, is always is always just unfortunate to hear. So I'm really glad, man, that you've, you've been able to, to do some of that work. Do you, do you think that like with some of the acting out behaviors for lack of better, I guess, way to describe it, um, were those already happening, happening, uh, prior to, to the abuse? Um, I say, I say, yeah. Uh, very, very minimal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I can remember time in, in, in third grade when I took a knife to school and, 
Um, it was a stolen knife that I stole. Um, I, but I mean, I don't really know why I, you know, I mean that being that young and doing stuff like that, like I had, I mean, back then everything was, it was good, you know? So, um, I think maybe that had to do a little bit with the, um, you know, middle child and the, you know, the, the, the friends thing, maybe, uh, maybe I wanted to be accepted. I remember I took it to school and showed my friend at school uh, and they ended up telling on me. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think it was just more of an accepting acceptance thing than anything. Yeah. Searching for acceptance. Well, yeah. tell us a little bit about, cause, cause obviously you're describing, you know, some difficult situations, but what's happened, you know, you mentioned this, the, the few years in Florida, which I didn't know about. So that's, that's really interesting to hear. But then also obviously lately you're, you're currently just about to end, you know, coordinating at the refuge. You've been a leader for some time now and, and you've done really well. And, um, I'm just curious what, what has it, what has that turn looked like? What has, um, what is that time in Florida? And then this time recently now, what's changed that has, that has resulted in, I guess, more healthy, more, more health overall for you? Um, so, I mean, so Florida, I mean, um, that is what really being a part of AA and NA, uh, really helped me understand, um, why it's so important to be surrounded by others that are like you, um, why it's important to, uh, be transparent with what you're going through. Uh, because, you know, a lot of the times we share, um, what we share, not for ourselves, but for somebody else. And, you know, that's the, like the whole point of having like a meeting and the AA meetings and stuff, because it's like the person sharing is, 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 it's, they're not there for themselves. They're there for the people that are listening. And, and so it's, I think that's really helped me with my transparency and the things that I've gone through um, and things that I struggle with early on, um, be more transparent. Cause like I've realized that sharing those things has allowed others to uh, break those chains as well. Uh, so just really giving me a sense of community and, and learning the importance of it. And, uh, and the same with the refuge. I mean, learning that, um, you know, it's, 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 it's constantly, it's a constant growing family and that, you know, I can't, I wouldn't be where I'm at without everybody else. that has been a part of my life. And, um, you know, I, I was just thinking yesterday, actually, like of all the people that have played a significant role in my life. Uh, these past two years. And I'm just like, there's just so many uh, people that like, I wanted to send out a, a group text or a Facebook post, but I'm like, I can't even, I can't even count how many people I'd be too many people to <laughs> try to tag. Um, so it's just, it's incredible though, that the, the, the sense of community and how the importance that it's played a part in my journey. So that'd be, that would be the biggest thing that I've learned. So Zach, what I guess, backpedaling just a little when you yeah. first started sharing or being more transparent in groups with people who have similar life experiences, what, what kind of response were you getting from people? Was it more isolation or more connection? Uh, more connection by far. Why do you think that uh, is? Um, because they, people realize that they're not alone. Um, you know, a, a therapist told me uh, the first time I shared it in group in, when I was in Florida, 
was actually at the rehab I was at right before I came to the refuge. I was, I did 45 days before I came here. And, uh, she told me that by me sharing that, she, I, I would be surprised at how many men have actually struggled or have gone through the same sexual identity crisis. She says, you know, it's a lot more than you think, but not many share. She says, you're like the 1% that would actually share that. But she said, so many people go through that same thing. They just don't tell others. And, uh, and, and, and so I find out, I probably say every time I've shared my testimony at the refuge, I've been pulled aside at least by one person every single time for them to confide in me that they can relate with what I shared. Right. So by you, and I guess this perception that we have, like we don't share those things because we're afraid again, that we will be isolated or uh, pushed to the side or judged because of that very vulnerable thing we're saying when in yep. fact the opposite happens. Yep. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's our own, it's our own perception of, of, of rejection. Um, but it's like, especially in a place like this, it's like, we, we shouldn't fear that. And um, it's cause we're, we're so stuck in, in a worldly view and, you know, a lot of people, it's like, who, who do you hung out with? There's, you know, in, in the crowd that I hung out with before the refuge, there's, these are things that I probably wouldn't share because of rejection, because they don't, they're not there to love me. They're there to use me. And, and the refuge and places like that are the exact opposite. Um, and, and, and that sense. So uh, do you think that there is a hesitation to get into or to choose to, enter a rehab because of a fear of rejection? Yeah, I think, I think, um, that probably has a big, maybe a big plate role in it. Um, you know, a lot of people don't, I think they, they, they're afraid to be real. I think and they're because of that, because of the fear of rejection for sure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the relational recovery podcast. Tomorrow, we will continue our conversation with Zach Hunt in part three. We'll see you soon.